1: as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode number 1086. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here today. And uh, we have a very, very special segment uh, we are doing a segment uh, of the show within the show, the FantasyDraftHealth.com Insider. Uh, nice to get to go back to our roots from time to time and talk some fantasy sports, in this case fantasy football. And uh, we are doing so with uh, a gentleman who is involved in a project that is going to take fantasy sports in a completely different direction than what we have ever seen before. So we're going to talk with him a little bit about the uh, the current fantasy landscape at the outset here, and then we're going to delve into his project. And uh, it really is sort of a mind blowing approach to uh, fantasy sports and approaching it uh, both in a business sense and a participatory sense for you, the player out there, uh, different than anything that we have ever seen before. I speak, of course, of Derek Siskin. He is the founder and chief of creative for the Crown League. And of course, that's the thecrownleague.com. You can go check it out from there at Derek Siskin on Twitter, where he is keeping everyone apprised of the project to come, as well as talking about uh, fantasy sports and other things in general. Derek, it's a pleasure to get you on the show today, sir. How are you today?
2: I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on, Rick.
0: It's our pleasure. Glad to have you on, glad to talk uh, fantasy sports with you, and of course uh, your project, and I'm looking forward to getting into the details and being able to share that with uh, our listeners. Uh, at, at the outset here, as we're looking at this, uh, as I was going through uh, your your Twitter page here, uh, you made a very interesting point because one of the things that's always fundamental to fantasy sports uh, is supply and demand, and uh, you had a tweet where you were talking about uh, the. Uh, it, it seems to me, I'll use the word, almost sort of unprecedented depth at the top of the quarterback position, how deep it is next year. It's really interesting how that is sort of 180 degrees removed from this year's NFL draft where uh, Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State, a school that I root for, my dad's an alum he, at this point in time, whether or not Murray goes pro, uh, again, right now Haskins is sort of the number one guy by default and somebody that everybody else might be killing themselves to get a piece of, even though he was only a starter for one year. So in the NFL, there is a, a very scant supply of great quarterbacking coming into the draft this year. But as you pointed out in fantasy football, just the opposite. In 2019, even if you wait a while, you're, you're bound to pick up somebody pretty good if you're very prepared.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think it's very interesting what you're seeing in the NFL right now, especially from a a rules perspective where they're they're calling a lot more defensive uh, penalties, and they're really opening the game up for the offense, um, which is having a big effect on fantasy, and and I feel as though um, the NFL is almost going away in the NBA where it's, it's really very much predicated on offense. And, and, and obviously, you know, for fantasy purposes, that means big stats, big numbers all around. And uh, the quarterback position, it's, it's almost starting to resemble the college game, where it's just completely wide open and you're seeing uh, points scored at, at a record rate. And, and the stats, you know, as far as passing yards are concerned and, and completions, they're higher than ever.
0: Yeah, that is very, uh, very apropos, and I gotta say, you you made a point that I couldn't agree with more strongly, uh, Derek. We've talked about this on the show previously, as far as comparing the NBA and the NFL and, and looking at it, and the, the the explosion of the offensive game in both leagues in recent years. And it's a thing where you can almost draw a parallel between Mike McCarthy getting drummed out of Green Bay and what happened with Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota. The sense that life comes at you fast and that you've got to make sure you're up with the times as far as the way the game is evolving. And both of those gentlemen, uh, at the very least, were victims of the perception that the game had passed them by, and both of them are certainly going to have to readjust their philosophies if they're going to get back in. And you talk about the philosophies that sort of undergird what we're seeing in the league. I'll go to my Cleveland Browns making the decision to stay with Freddie Kitchens uh, for next year, promote him to head coach. This is one of these things where, it really is, when you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, it seems like it's more important than ever before to, to look at uh, what kind of a system guys are in because you're either on something that's cutting edge in today's day and age or you're not. It seems like that's more of a drastic line back and forth than it used to be. A couple of years ago, you would have thought of Mike McCarthy as being well within the mainstream of the NFL. But the way the the, the game is, is evolving these days, uh, if you don't have one of these guys in there that is a proponent and a practitioner, uh, of, of all the cutting-edge offensive uh, traits out there and working in somebody air raid and all the other things, it seems like your fantasy players might get left behind if they're not a part of that.
2: I mean, absolutely. And, and I think the NFL is is very reactive when it comes to to coaching. So, uh, you know, you see a guy like McVay on the Rams and, and all the teams are trying to replicate that by bringing in these young guys, whether it be Cliff Cliff Kingsbury uh, on Arizona or LaFleur in Green Bay. Um, But yeah, I mean, as far as fantasy is concerned, it's great. It's great because, you know, the more points, the better. The more yards, the better. And it seems like every team is really looking to create these offenses that are just, uh, you know, really predicated on the pass and just. Running up the scores, and and so for our purposes, it's great. It's really exciting to watch.
0: But yeah, the quarterback play. Uh, you are right about that. As far as uh, maximizing uh, what they have and having a, a relationship between the coach and player uh, that is conducive to being able to get the most out of that. I say that as somebody who is a very strong uh, Derek uh, Goff proponent coming into the Jared Goff proponent coming into the league, and uh, Jared Goff subsequently. Uh, rewarded my faith in him once he was paired up with Sean McVay. To a certain extent, it was the same thing with Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens, which is part of why you see uh, the Browns going in that direction. So it, it is one of these things where uh, I think you're absolutely right. Teams are looking for that synchronicity between coach and quarterback, uh, particularly if you've got a quarterback with a high upside.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I haven't had have Mahomes on a bunch of my fantasy teams. What's so interesting, though, is that the quarterback position in fantasy, uh, the points are, are usually weighted where, you know, there's not really much difference between the top guy and, and some of the guys that are later on uh, that you can pick up in, in the late rounds. So right now, more than ever, there's just incredible depth at that position. And uh, and, and it's, it's really just interesting to see what's going on with the game as far as the offense is concerned. Again, it's really great for fantasy purposes. and I think it's just really great overall from an entertainment perspective. Uh, uh, It's just going to make the league grow even more and more.
0: Absolutely. and When you look at the players who end up, uh, unfortunately, on the other side of the coin letting you down and and being busts, obviously uh, injuries play a major part in that every year uh, in in the league, and you can't always forecast who those guys are going to be. But then you look at some other guys here, and uh, again, I won't hesitate to throw myself under the bus with fantasydrafthelp.com. We had David Johnson second on the draft board overall. and You don't often see this. You don't often see a circumstance where a great player can be so dragged down by the circumstances around him. DeAndre Hopkins had it happen a couple of years ago, uh, just briefly, and then kind of bounced back to who he is. Uh, I had predicted coming into the year that Arizona was going to be amongst the dregs of the league, and yet that did not affect where I slotted David Johnson. And this year seemed to be a reminder that a lot of times those things will go hand in hand. So the, the, certain, the exact circumstances of players uh, as far as the team that's around them, the stability that's there, uh, whatever, even beyond the offensive system, just the overall atmosphere of a team obviously can have a lot to do with whether a player uh, will be a bust or not.
2: Yeah, I think that's a major thing that you have to take into consideration um, when you're dealing with fantasy. When you mentioned David Johnson, what it made me think of was was Todd Gurley, a guy that had a, a really amazing season. But two years ago, you know that that St. Louis Rams team, um, the LA well now they're LA Rams, but that Rams team, you know, you need a well balanced offense for fantasy purposes. I, I really am a strong believer in that because. Um, if you are taking a running back, for example, that's on a team with, with not the best passing game, not the best quarterback, you know, then you're going to be playing from behind, and, and then you're, they're going to be going away from the run. So you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration when you look at it through the lens of fantasy. Um, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody in regards to picking a kicker, which is something that's a very tough thing to to figure out in fantasy, and there's a lot of strategy around it. And usually the way I approach picking a kicker is, you know, I'm I'm targeting teams that are good at moving the ball down the field but might have a hard time capitalizing in the red zone. You know, so it's just a a very nuanced way of looking at the NFL um, through this lens of fantasy um, when you're when you're talking about these individual players like a guy like David Johnson and, and and the situation he was in this year with Arizona,
0: very much so. Yeah, it's it's very very nuanced uh, in in looking at uh, how how these things go and what circumstances you have to take into consideration and which one's not. As far as the way that the actual game on the field impacts what's going on with fantasy, it would seem also too. Uh, and you had talked about uh, Patrick Mahomes there. This notion in the NFL now that because of the cap situation, probably the most valuable thing that you can have is a star quarterback on, a, on his first contract, on his rookie contract. So a guy like Mahomes, they're going to be uh, aggressive with him right off the bat as far as turning him loose. Jared Goff, you saw that as well. Uh, To whatever extent Carson Wentz, he's having problems staying healthy, but Philly's had every intent of riding him as much as humanly possible. Same thing with Watson and Houston. Same thing with Mayfield and Cleveland. So it's a circumstance now where I know in fantasy, it used to be you had to wait a couple of years sometimes to, to, to anoint these guys as being on that top tier, and particularly with the greater depth that we have now and where it's a little bit amorphous as far as who might be the number three guy and who might be the number ten guy, uh, it's, it seems like any kind of historical uh, reticence that any of us might have had about going with a young quarterback as our number one guy, it would seem like that would be gone in most instances
2: I mean, I think it's a great point because, you know, uh, historically when you looked at running backs, that was the one position where you could take a gamble to some extent, taking a, 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 a well-regarded rookie running back, you know, in the early second round, late second round, sometimes even late first round. And quarterback was a position that, you know, you would you would typically wait on but, um, yeah, even now you're seeing these guys that are thrust into situations and, and they're more NFL-ready than they've ever been. And, and a guy like Baker's is the best example of that. Um, and a guy like Deshaun Watson last year, another great example of that. These guys are, you know, they're, they're playing in, in college right now. And I, I guess it's just the most um, – they're getting the best – coaching that they've ever gotten, and they're just the most uh, NFL-ready that, that that they've ever been. So I think, you know, in fantasy, if there are guys that, that are targeted um, as being, you know, the type of guys that can come in and play right away, people are, are definitely less hesitant than they've ever been to insert them right into a, a starting lineup, and, uh, and it's been happening to great success.
0: Very much so, and it's helping to make this, again, one of the more exciting times ever in the couple of decades that fantasy football has been around and uh, been a big thing and uh, it is again very interesting to be discussing this with you Derek because uh, your new project that you've got coming up uh, that you are launching for the 2019 season uh, is really going to be uh, something different than anything that we've seen before the Crown League something that uh, again a league that's owned by the public managed by experts run on blockchain technology uh, a lot to unpack there as far as how this goes. So uh, as best as you can, just kind of start to break it down for our listeners. We'll dig into this a little bit uh, further. But how would you best describe the concept of the Crown League?
2: Yeah, so the Crown League at the highest level is the first professional fantasy football league. Um, and, and you know, what that means is if you look at it, I think there's a great comp out there in eSports which um, is, has had a very rapid rise. And, and what eSports did essentially was they took video game competitions, which was a very huge market with a with an impassioned fan base, and they aggregated that into these unified leagues and these branded franchises And really what they did was they legitimized them in a big way, but they also professionalized something that wasn't considered a professional sport. So, you know, we saw that as a great use case. And then what we also saw was, you know, the Green Bay Packers, something where you have this, you know, unique situation where you have a community that owns a a, a franchise, right? And what we thought was, well, the dream is, as a sports fan, as millions of sports fans, is to... To own a professional sports team, right? But that only—that's only—it's um, only pretty to select you individuals, the most you know wealthy individuals on the planet. Um, so you're either a billionaire who can own a franchise, or you're a fantasy owner. And we saw this huge opportunity in between. So what we decided to do was create the first unified fantasy sports league. Um, I know if you look out there. Right now, fantasy is this huge market. It's as popular as it's ever been. There's 60 million um, participants in North America alone, and they're spending upwards of $30 billion each year for fantasy. Um, but even though that's the case, it's it's a completely fragmented market. And what I mean by that is there's millions of leagues, there's tens of millions of teams, and, you know, uh, Really, what it boiled down to is nobody cares about anybody else's team or league outside of their own. So, you know, I, I used to call one of my best friends, who's actually now my partner in the Crown League, and I used to want to talk to him about fantasy. We were in the same league, and he would say, I don't care about your team, you know? And <laughs> and, he, and it made sense. Like, why would he care about my team? We're competitors, right? We're like, right. he doesn't want to talk about my team and, I, and, and so we started thinking about this, uh, and, we, and the more we dug down, we, we felt like, well, what if we were able to take the fan base aspect and the community aspect of professional sports and combine it with fantasy sports? And, and what we did was, you know, and, that, and that's basically the genesis of how we came up with this idea. Um, my third partner, uh, Dan Nisanoff, um, he was somebody that was in our fantasy league at the time, and so uh, the three of us—me, uh, Matt Costa and Dan Niesenoff—we got together and we started conceptualizing this idea, and uh, it really took on a life of its own. So, so what the league is going to be is we're going to launch in uh, September of the of, of 2019, alongside the NFL, um, the NFL season. Uh, Twelve franchises that are going to be geographically located. So, right now these are new york chicago la texas um atlanta miami and there's a couple more some that um aren't dead set yet some are still up in the air and what we're going to do is we are selling shares in the teams um so that the public will own the the, the, each team and then each team is going to be led by an expert and a fantasy expert so Think about some of the the leading guys, the most high-profile guys in the space, Um, and those are going to be the GMs of the team. They're going to make a lot of the decisions, but they are going to be influenced and accountable to their owners, and it's really going to be like professional sports. You know, It's really going to be like all the other leagues that you see, and that's going to come all the way down to a content perspective. We're going to have um, live coverage around the league specific to our franchises and to our owners, um, and and with this idea of people being able to own shares in the teams, there's going to be a marketplace where you can, you know, monetize your shares, where you can trade shares, and essentially where you could switch teams. So there's a lot of these really new and unique components to it, um, but it's what we're really ultimately trying to do is create this new experience that doesn't exist and it's not going to be meant to replace traditional fantasy in people's home games but we want to create the first premier uh, unified national fantasy league and uh, that's what the crown league is
0: it it is a hugely ambitious project no question about it and uh, again in in looking at your initial uh, announcement here of course you've got it to where uh, the offering is being led by America's Executions LLC, uh, Amerix, a FINRA-regulated investment bank. So this is a thing where, again, in terms of you and your partners, again, I'm, I'm curious in terms of you, you guys are had played in a league together, but to be able to put together something on this scale, uh, when you're looking at the the skill set and the background of the partners involved in putting this together. Uh, what do you guys uh, bring to bear here as as far as, again, this I can't even imagine how much must have gone into uh, putting this thing together from from the initial blueprints to where you've gotten it now. So what were some of the things that you guys have in terms of your skills where you were able to make this happen?
2: You know, uh, so my background is, is mostly in marketing and creative, um, and I was just a diehard sports fan uh, along with my, my friend Matt, um, we just love sports, and we love fantasy, and I was in four leagues at the time, and uh, I just remember sitting there um, at my desk job, I was, in, I was doing a digital marketing job at the time, and I just remember thinking, um, there's something there. I'm so consumed by, by fantasy sports, it's just something that I love so much, but there hadn't been real really any innovation in, in years, and really the last innovation was about 12 years ago, um, when DFS came about. So I was thinking that, you know, there's definitely, there's opportunity here. And so what is it? What is the opportunity here? And, you know, Matt, his background is from, is on Wall Street. And, you know, so he's very, he had a good financial background, good business background. Our other partner, Dan, um, had a a great background in fundraising, and and he's a a former venture capitalist that had all these successful businesses, and so the three of us, you know, what we knew that we had to do was we knew we had to come up with the concept and really distill the concept. We knew the branding and the marketing had to be right, and then we knew we had to go out and and do some fundraising and and really build a team around uh, the idea execute an idea because as you said it's an ambitious idea and um, you know we started this a little bit over a year ago and the place that we started at is completely different than it is now Um, right now we're 22 employees that are uh, across the entire uh, country right now Uh, we're we're about to go out and um, sell the franchises to the public in the next couple of months Um, We're doing another round of of, uh, fundraising, and uh, actually, you know, you had mentioned blockchain. Initially, blockchain was something that we had intended to to do this through, Um, but because of the environment right now, because of certain SEC um, restrictions, we actually went away from blockchain uh, for the time being. It's something that we could always go back to. Um, but now we're just going to do this through a a regular SEC security process. And uh, there's just so many different components to it, whether it be on the content side, uh, whether it be on the community side. Um, This is something that we intend to do where it's an on-platform experience and people are going to be able to come onto our platform, communicate with co-owners, strategize, collaborate, vote on different you know, matters uh, pertaining to their roster and try and influence uh, their GM to make the decisions that they want very similarly to the way that it exists in professional sports. And then beyond that, and part of the reason we wanted to do this as each team was a, a geographically located uh, franchise was because we're also going to have a live component to this where we're going to organize events where the owners can get together and they can watch their teams compete together and they can cheer and they can, you know, have that financial and rooting interest um, where it's aligned together. So, you know, again, we're really trying to do what we consider, you know, the next evolution in fantasy and give our consumer the ownership experience, you know, and, and really give them something that they've never had before, the ability to feel like, they are an actual owner of something. But unlike the Green Bay Packers, they have a real financial interest. You know, it's not just a it's not just something that they can hang on their wall uh, you know, a certificate that says they're a Green Bay Packer owner. There's a real monetary interest in here. And so, you know, it it really is at the intersection of sports, fantasy sports, of esports and of investing. And, uh, you know, if you look at the landscape right now, gambling is obviously getting less restrictive by by the second. And uh, even so, you know, we anticipate that we can, you know, venture into that world, whether it be having lines for our teams. But, uh, you know, still, we're an investment vehicle. You know, people are going to be able to buy shares in our team and, and. And if you think about it, Rick, like when you buy shares in an Amazon or an Apple or whatever it is, there's no entertainment aspect there, right? Right. You you can't, right. So you buy shares and then you just hold it. You don't really know so much why it's going up or going down on a daily basis. And and so now we're saying, well, now you could buy a share in a fantasy team. You could share it with your friends and your family and, and, and you could do this. With your entire fantasy league, you could buy shares in one team, and you get the entertainment value, you get the financial value, and you get just this community value that doesn't exist right now in fantasy, especially at the team level, because it exists at the league level, right? Right. So you do a fantasy league with twelve people, and you guys can, you know, you guys can talk trash, and then you could, you could, you know, speak about the league at a high level. But what you can't do is have an experience at the team level. You, know, you, you own that team by yourself, the highs and lows you experience by yourself, and then at the end of the season, you either win or you lose. There's this binary outcome, and, and it can be very unfulfilling. And uh, as much as we love fantasy, and, and trust me, I love traditional fantasy, we just felt like there was a lot of opportunity to, um, to you know, improve upon a lot of the limitations of the game.
0: Sure. And that's and that's quite a story as far as how this came together. And I would say, you know, when I asked the question, more or less what I expected. I figured you guys had to have a, a you know, skill sets and backgrounds that fit together very well to do this. And clearly, that is the case. And a point well taken about uh, the blockchain that's subsequently not going to be a part of the launch of it. And I just editorialized, probably a wise decision in this climate. And like you said, you could always go back to that at some point if you wanted to. But uh, duly noted that that is not part of things as they stand now, so uh, just kind of looking ahead here, again, you're you're in the rollout phase here, you're starting to get this out here, I know from uh, your initial announcement you were talking about the inaugural draft being uh, the summer of 2019, so that's a long ways off, uh, any, any meat on the bones yet as far as what, you know, the format, the place, the whatever, or is it too soon to kind of get into that?
2: Um, you know, it's probably a little bit too soon, we're definitely planning uh, right now for the draft. Um, as far as the format goes, um, we're thinking most likely an auction draft, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to stick to a lot of the uh, the fundamental, you know, uh, familiar type of format as it relates to fantasy. Because what we're doing is already, you know, very unique and, and very different. So, you know, what we'd like to do is is for the most part stick to some of the familiar aspects of uh, traditional fantasy, of standard fantasy. Um, it will be a dynasty league, though, a dynasty-slash-keeper league. So the league, uh, when we do the draft, all the players will be available. And uh, But all subsequent drafts will be rookies, free agents, and unprotected players. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I feel as though the GMs, of, of some of these franchises are going to help dictate uh, some of the rules and some of the format. But we have a lot of those things pinned down already. And, uh, and yeah, the draft is going to most likely occur in August. We're still trying to lock down the venue. Um, but that, all that information will, will definitely uh, be shooting out over our, our social handles and, and over our website. So people will definitely have that information as, as it comes
0: absolutely. Uh, last question I have on the format, uh, any, any sense yet as far as, uh, how deep the freeze might go, if it might be, uh, maybe the majority of the roster every year, a couple of the players and any kind of early thoughts on, uh, how, how much of the roster might be available to be frozen from year to year? We're
2: thinking probably 50% of the roster. Okay. Um, but again, that's, you know, that's still a, sure. a, a number that we're just trying to pin down. Um, you know, I, I think for the most part what we're thinking is, um, you know, one quarterback. Uh, we would, we, I, you know, that if we're having debates about all these things because if you did a two-quarterback sure. league in our league um, and if we ever did expansion teams, you know, it makes it very tough to do a two-quarterback league. Um, but we're thinking uh, one quarterback, auction, draft, um, fab uh, for, the, uh, for waivers and, you know, a lot of the familiar – Um, A lot of the familiar components that people, you know, uh, play for the most part. But um, yeah, outside of that, there's going to be it's going to be very interesting how it's how it's all how it's all going to operate and come together as as far as how the ownership base, you know, uh, communicates with the GMs and the front office, how they're influenced by them, how they're accountable. I I will mention that you know when we talk about the voting stuff. Um, we're also talking about outside of just voting for different things having to do with the roster and trades and, uh, and 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 free agency, we're also talking about having the ability to vote um, to replace and retain your general manager. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of elements that are very authentic to, you know, the other professional sports. Um, we really want uh, people to, to to feel that, you know, they're a part of something that's bigger than just themselves. So, you know, when we say that we're the first professional fantasy league, you know, it's hard to really wrap your head around what that means, but um, these are just some of the elements that are going to contribute to that authentic experience.
0: Well, it is, uh, again, fascinating to sort of peel back the curtain and get to talk about what this is like in the early stages as you guys are... Uh, putting it together, and uh, again, we'd be interested in catching up with you subsequently, uh, Derek, and continuing to uh, trace this journey. So uh, please don't be a stranger. But a uh, pleasure to have you on the show today and get to talk fantasy sports with you and this great project, the Crown League that people can check out at thecrownleague.com. So thank you very much for making time for us.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Rick. And you can follow us um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, the Crown League. And, obviously, www.thecrownlead.com, our website. Uh, and, and, again, I uh, really appreciate
0: you having me on. Uh, it's our pleasure, Derek. Again, uh, such an interesting uh, piece of conversation here today. Uh, you guys really are delving into a new ground and adding an innovation uh, to a business that hasn't really seen anything like this yet. So best of luck with the project. Like I said, I uh, look forward to continuing to correspond with you here on the show. And thank you everybody for tuning in today to FDH Lounge mini episode number 1086.